You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, who has just returned to Lexington. We're recording this... um, well, it's already Friday by the time we're recording this. Uh, you got back late from Nashville. How was your Christmas? It was great. It was a. I was actually telling my wife as I we were pulling back into town, uh, what a whirlwind like eight or nine or ten days it was. We last Tuesday, yeah, last Tuesday uh, went to Kentucky basketball interviews. I think before they were left for. Um, Vegas, then yeah. drove, packed the family up, drove them all to Nashville, dropped my wife and the twins with her family, uh, flew from Nashville to Las Vegas, was in Vegas from Wednesday till till Saturday, uh, covered the Utah game Wednesday, the Ohio State game Saturday, and then took a red eye home at midnight from Las Vegas mm. on Saturday. And arrived back in Nashville at 6 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, yeah. Yep. Slept for a couple hours and then proceeded to our holiday uh, festivities. Spent a couple days with her family. Spent a couple days with my family. They're both kind of in the general Nashville area. Yeah. Uh, and then wrote a couple stories from there and then drove back. And got back into Lexington uh, a little after midnight as as we're recording this on Thursday night. We'll uh, go Friday to Cal Perry and player interviews, and then Saturday cover the big game, the Kentucky-Louisville rivalry game. But the Christmas was awesome. The kids are almost three. They'll be three in February, the Twins, and they this was like their very, very, very clearly their most aware Christmas. Like, yeah. All leading right. up to it, they learned all the songs. You know, they were singing for like a month. They were singing all the Christmas songs, and they, <laughs> they their various grandmothers had had them completed, completely outfitted in a different Christmas outfit, daytime outfit and pajamas for every day of the month <laughs> of December. <laughs> and they knew exactly what they wanted for Christmas, and they were so excited. It was great. It was we we had an awesome time. They they really made their grandmothers and great grandmothers really happy, and uh, made us really happy. It was. It was fantastic. How about you? Well, I pretty much uh, stuck. I mean, I stayed here. We don't go anywhere. My my wife's family lives in um, up near the Louisville area, and then my family, my parents live here. My brother lives here, and his wife. And you so, got it figured out. Yeah. So this is why eventually I'm moving to Nashville because all our families live in the Nashville area. Well, I told my parents they they lived in Florida for many years, and I told them I said, look. You know, we got we got twin boys, and we're gonna get down there maybe once or twice a year. You know, that's right. that's about it. So if you want to see these grandkids, get up here. I and like so, putting it on them. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I just said, you know, facts are facts, and so they got up here, and they've loved it because they love the boys. And uh, but it was sad because this year, uh, my boys are in sixth grade. They're eleven, and they revealed twins, and they revealed that uh 
that they're not buying Santa anymore. Oh, we had this conversation. I don't know if we had it on air or off, but we were talking about that you weren't yeah. sure if they knew yet. Yeah, so, and so they revealed that, uh, yeah, they're not buying it. I think last year or the year before, they said that Santa brought them a PS4, yet their uncle, my wife's brother, bought them games for the PS4. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, so uh, they put two to get two together there, and uh, that was it. And plus in sixth grade... You know, they're going Everybody's to talking about it, yeah. Yeah, they got 7th and 8th graders around them as well, so that's that. <laughs> so they're learning, they're learning about uh, sex and Santa's not real, <laughs> basically <laughs> at the same time. Adolescence, <laughs> my man, adolescence. Um, but it was a great Christmas, yes, it was great. My uh, Both the boys, uh, they, they remarked how they loved everything they got, and... Um, we got them. I think I mentioned this like a week or so ago, or maybe on this show this week, that uh, we got them tickets for that we're going to see the Heat play the Pacers in Indy uh, in January. So they're really pumped about that. And, Seeing yeah. Bam and Tyler Hero, that'll be fun. Yeah. So they got Tyler Hero shirts for that. Um, so they're ready to go. And Here, here's something I learned this year, or okay. or a new piece of advice I have for families. Uh, if like if your siblings all have kids and you're all going to grandma's house or whatever, going to the same place and you're going to do the wake up and Santa on Christmas morning together, right? If one of you is is buying a blockbuster gift, yeah, you should do the other parents the courtesy of letting them know that so they can prepare accordingly. Because <laughs> because my my you know not yet three year old tod- twin toddlers. They had very simple requests, and they were very excited about them. My son wanted a Superman costume and a big Olaf, a big plush yeah. Olaf. Yeah. And we got him that and a couple other things. And my daughter wanted uh, uh, a big Elsa from yeah. Frozen and because uh, they all had, they had the little toys. They wanted big, fluffy one. And right. uh, a mermaid and a doll, a dollhouse. Uh, so we got her that. And, you know... If we had just op- woken up and that was their Santa in our own home alone, they would have been the happiest people in the world. But right. it's like 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Everybody's in bed except me and my, my siblings and my parents. And my sister and her husband get go outside and come back in with like it took five people to carry this box inside and br- open it up. And they've bought from actually John Deere like a – a kid's John Deere tractor. Oh my god! With a trailer hitch and all this stuff, it took up the entire <laughs> living room. <laughs> and I had this piddly little <laughs> fluffy Olaf <laughs> and a soup and a Superman costume that just lays flat on the ground. And clothes. <laughs> it's like, Dad, I want that now. <laughs> so I was like, Are you kidding me with this? Are you kidding me? Like you're gonna oh, ruin my wow. kid's Christmas with this? I was I was like actually kind of ticked. And I was like, I was like, guys, you can't leave this out here because, like, when my kids wake up and they go to see what Santa brought them, like, they're gonna run to this tractor. Yeah. And I have a video. I'll show you next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> my son's like, oh, there's Fluffy, there's Big Olaf, and then he um, he shrieks, tractor. Yeah. He I goes bet. running. He cuts off the cousin that it's intended for and jumps. <laughs> And jumps on his tractor, and then they have a huge fight. <laughs> the screaming, oh my God. screaming, 
bloody murder fight over this tractor, and I, yeah, it was fine. It all worked out fine because we got them calmed down. We just convinced them that the tractor was for everybody, and we were leaving it at at Namal's house. Yeah, uh, that's a good. And then by the time we left and we were in the car, they were very happy with their cost, Superman costume and Olaf and their the mermaid and the Elsa. But yeah, so if you're gonna bl- if you're gonna blow everybody out of the water with your gift, you should let them know so they can prepare. That's that's that, my that's, that's my advice. Yeah, that's brutal. That was our only. That was the only fly in the ointment on Christmas. But wow. Well. Yeah. Kyle, we have taken up uh, the entire first segment talking about our Christmases. As people tuned in to hear about Kentucky-Louisville. <laughs> right, the day before Kentucky-Louisville, yes. Uh, so when we come back, I promise, we will get into uh, the Kentucky-Louisville game, without a doubt, talk about there's plenty to talk about with that. And we'll do it next here on the Lockdown Kentucky Podcast. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends, Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week year-round, like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked On Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Uh, Kyle, you had an article this week uh, in the Christmas spirit uh, about uh, how John Calipari and his players spend every Christmas for the last, what, 10 years now? Yep. And they've, you know, tweeted out things, pictures here and there, and we've been aware of it, but never before has anyone from the media been given access the way you were. Yeah, and they, you know, it was basically this time last year, or a little before this time last year, I, I had asked if I could come to their Christmas gathering um, where they basically what it has evolved into is they invite um, all the um, uh, not all the they, they choose 10 to 12 families they invite them uh, who are in need and they invite them to the players lo- uh, lodge the coal lodge and uh, one of the players always dresses up as, as Santa and the families they cook them a big meal and they, they enjoy this meal and the players uh, serve them food and serve them a pumpkin pie and things like that. Uh, and then uh, they get up and uh, each player is assigned a family and they have a big Santa sack filled with presents wrapped for the kids um, yeah. and gift cards to Target and things like that. This year the kids all got those plus gift cards to Malibu Jacks. And they were really pumped about that. Uh, and then they, uh, like for the last couple of years, uh, Tempur-Pedic has donated a bed to each family and they can pick out which wow. size and which kind they want. And they give them a bed, uh, which is an incredible thing for a family, you know, uh, that is down on its luck to have a, a luxurious uh, mattress and the kind of night sleep you get on one of those. It's, it's yeah. a game changer. Uh, they also got this uh, huge, if you've ever seen how Kentucky travels, each player has this huge Nike, it's like a combo duffel bag slash suitcase. Yeah. They're, they're large. 
and all their gear is in it for the road. Well, they get one of those brand new, but it's stuffed all the way full with food, non-perishable food. Oh, wow. And then on wow. top of that is a, is a ham. Kroger gives all this food. So they have all the stuff they need to make a huge Christmas feast plus a ham that goes with it. Um, and then um, the really cool thing is Calipari, from his foundation, always hands, as the players do it, he gives it to the players in an envelope, and the players hand it over uh, to the families uh, enough money to cover uh, like two months' rent or a couple months' bills if they're behind on bills, uh, yeah. whatever their pressing need is. Essentially, the the basics of getting getting through your daily life. Yes, uh, and that that's a game changer. I mean, if you think about someone who can't afford to pay the bills and somebody hands you uh, a check for two months' rent plus a mattress and all the food you need and and presents for your kids that you couldn't afford and um, gift cards so they can go shop themselves or shop for mom and dad if they want. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. Nike gives the uh, them all the kids and the parents. I think sneakers. Um, mm. I think this year, um, uh, was it Kentucky Outfitters or whatever that, uh, store is called, uh, the, the big UK fan gear, outfitters, fan outfitters, I think, yeah. uh, gave them all the UK gear. I mean, it, it, it is just a pile of stuff. It is so much stuff. Um, and it's really cool. That in itself is really cool. Um, but I always wanted I always wanted to go to that, and they've never invited the media. They do tweet out a couple pictures. That's basically the extent of it every year. Um, uh, because I think, for one, Cal doesn't want to be like, well, we're doing this as a photo, you know, we're doing this as a media right. op. Yeah. Uh, and so I requested to go last year, uh, and they were like, eh, you know, we haven't really talked, had, had time to run this by him, you know, revisit it with us next year. Um, and so I did, and they, Cal agreed to let me come, and you know, one of the connections I wanted to make is if you look around the guys they have in the NBA, uh, there are so right. many of them that have foundations that are doing crazy things. Uh, John Wall won the 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 season long NBA Community Assist Award a right. couple of years ago. He he donated four hundred thousand uh, dollars to I think it was uh, a literacy thing or so, I can't remember exactly what his was. Um, Devin Booker, when he signed his huge contract last year, a few months later, he he pledged $2.5 million towards uh, Phoenix area um, uh, charities for needy families and children. Um, Anthony Davis has twice won the Community Service um, Monthly Award. Uh, Cousins has won it. I think at least one more guy has. Bam Adebayo does a huge Thanksgiving thing where he gives away turkey and turkeys and meals and stuff. And so now Cousins, see, I don't know if Cousins, uh, if he still does it, but after he left Sacramento, he even went back to Sacramento and did that shopping spree. And he takes tons of kids, like yeah. like like a hundred, I think, or more kids, uh, shopping for Christmas. And it's not like here's fifty bucks, kid, knock yourself out. It's it's extravagant. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to to tie that together to talk to the current players and to Cal and the former players. So I talked to Carl Towns and Bam Adebayo about it. And they both talked about how that was such an emphasis with Cal, that you have this platform, you're going to have this opportunity to change lives. Make sure you do. And that's it's one of the lessons that I think he really hammers. He knows he's got most of these guys for a year or two, and he, he it really matters to him. Cal Perry doesn't yeah. come from means. He's very, very rich now, but he, he comes he's from the grandson of immigrants, the son of blue-collar workers. Uh, it was very important to his mother who passed. 
um, to be giving. And he really, that's a, it's not a phony thing. I don't, I mean, you can say what you no. want about Cal, but giving is important to him uh, and teaching these guys to do that. And so it was cool to talk to him. It was really also cool to watch the team do this and how it impacted these, these families this year and to watch the, the guy I kind of lead the story with and focus on, uh, on the current team is Nick Richards. And he, he's obviously been through it twice before, but he sat down and just sort of treated his, the family he was assigned to like, like they were his family. He was very interested yeah. in the kids and making conversation. And he said, I want them to feel important. They make me feel important. You know, our fans make me feel important. And I want to, you know, give that back to them. And he handed the woman a rent check and she just broke down and, and wrapped him up in a big hug. And mm. he said, he talked about how impactful that was to him. And uh, so right. I just thought it, I thought it was really cool. And uh, I forgot even which person it was that I spoke to for the story, but one of them said, uh, I guess I think it was Chris Woolard, their director of basketball ops and the guy who runs Cal's foundation. He yeah. said he always asked, Cal always asked the players, when you do this and you see that you change people's lives, how does it make you feel? Um, which is an interesting question because obviously the answer is always going to be like, this feels really good. So, you know, right. do it, <laughs> do it more. Um, and, and so I hope, hopefully people check that out. It's been, uh, obviously, uh, fairly popular this time of year. It published on Christmas day. Uh, and by the, by the numbers, it looks like people have really connected to that story. So if you haven't read it, I hope you will check it out. And one thing I'll say about Calipari that I've just seen him do over the years, I've seen it in person, I've talked to people he's done it with. And, you know, even in his post game radio show, when he's at Rupp arena, uh, he will, you know, have people tossing balls, and he'll like do the interview as he's actually signing a ball. And he doesn't make like a much of a connection with those people, but they do get a signed ball back. Like how much when he's doing the interview, he's actually signing basketballs, and he'll do as many as he possibly can, and that means at least something to those people to walk away with a basketball signed by John Calipari. But in addition to that, everywhere he goes. He'll take those pictures. And one of the instances I can remember is the root beer stand in Corbin, which is just famous for being this little, you know, mom and pop type, uh, old fashioned 1950s drive in where they make their own root beer. And they're known for their chili dogs and hamburgers. And I grew up in that area, so I've known all about it. It's only open in the summertime. And, um, so he went down there, and the uh, owner is someone I know through mutual friends or whatever. But um, the owner was like, uh, hey, we'll leave you alone, I know. And Cal's like, no, you want a picture? And the guy's like, well, I mean, you know if you come out of your car and stand over here, what's going to happen, right? And he goes, no, nah, it's fine. No, come on. You want a picture? Yeah. So, you know, here's Calipari. He could just drive in there, check it out from his car, you know, drink the root beer, have a chili dog and go on his way, but instead he asked the guy, do you want this publicity? Would you like me to step out? I don't care if I'm mobbed and everybody sees me here in Corbin, right. you know, where they don't get to see him very often. And he's fine with taking the little amount of time, whether it be 20 to 30 minutes out of his day, uh, to give that to someone because he preaches that it just takes a little bit out of your time to make a lifetime memory for somebody else, which is so true. And you see it in the NBA all the time with guys giving shoes to kids and stuff like that. Uh, it, it does. It's a lifetime memory for, for many of those people um, who, who, I mean, for many fans. Uh, if, if my kids, I don't mean to say 
you know, you people out there or whatever, my kids, if my kids were to go and get, you know, an NBA player uh, that they love to hand them shoes or, or sign an autograph for them or whatever, it would mean the world to them. It'd be something that they would talk about um, forever. So that is is one of those things that uh, you can say we're homers or whatever, but it's genuine. There's no doubt about it that he absolutely instills that in his players and preaches it to them about how important it is, and many of them walk away getting it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the proof's kind of in the <laughs> the consistency with which those guys leave and and do those things, and then not just do them, but like I said, you know, I, when I reached out to those guys, it, they could have said, that's just something that's important to me, but they said, no, that's something that I learned at Kentucky, so... Well, you can tell that uh, Kyle and I have not spoken um, and done a podcast for the last four or five days here because we've gone now 20 minutes and we still haven't gotten to the Kentucky-Louisville basketball game. <laughs> is there and a game? Need, is there a game Saturday? Yeah, and we need to take another break. Um, uh, we were going to talk a little bit about Calipari being the sporting news uh, coach of the decade, but I, I don't know how much time Save we'll that for, for that. another time. We'll talk all yeah. Cats cards in the final segment, we promise. Yes, that is coming up next on Locked On Kentucky. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, so we're back here on Locked On Kentucky. Dan Reefer with Fox 56 here with you, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And uh, Sunday's uh, Out of Bounds show on Fox 56, we're going to load up on this um, Kentucky-Louisville basketball game. We'll have a ton of post-game comments. I mean, just... I'm talking like eight minutes or so of just talking about this game. And then, then we've got Lee K. Howard is down at the Belk Bowl, and he's going to have, like, they go to the Charlotte Motor Speedway. They do their Belk shopping spree. Uh, there's practice and post-practice interviews. All that stuff, we'll have it for you on Sunday. And then I'm heading down to Charlotte to, uh, to cover the Belk Bowl. So we'll be with you, uh, Kyle and I. We'll do podcast. Uh, I get down there Sunday night, so we'll do we'll do podcast for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know all all about the uh, the Belk Bowl as well as this Kentucky Louisville game. So let's get into this. Um, my my biggest thing on this game is uh, Louisville is similar defensively um, to Ohio State in how they hold people hold people down. They hold people to a low field goal percentage. Louisville is third in the country at 35% in defensive field goal percentage. And we saw how Kentucky was able to to play against Ohio State, and part of that was Nate Sestina. That was uh, new for Ohio State. They hadn't anticipated that, and then they were able to deal with it over the last uh, 12 minutes, 10 minutes or so of the game, and make adjustments. Uh, but it's going to be difficult uh, to, to, get, to get points against Louisville, especially with uh, Kentucky's offense that you saw struggled over those last 10 minutes against Ohio State. Uh, my, my two biggest things are uh, Kentucky's advantage in guard play, I think is huge. And then the next thing is Jordan Nora is huge. Who's going to guard and contain him and Stephen Enoch. Those, those two things are very contrasting to me. I think Kentucky has a huge advantage in guard play. And then – uh, Louisville has a huge advantage with Nora and Enoch uh, with the bigger guys. Yeah, th- that's those are kind of the things that this game boils down to, like which which team can take more advantage of their clear advantage. 
um, you know, Stephen Enoch, Malik Williams, Dwayne Sutton, Jordan Nora. Um, those guys all really uh, are are kind of big, physical, um, experienced guys um, who've and crashed Sutton has the a grass. motor too. Yeah, I mean Sutton has a motor. Three of those guys in one game this year had ten plus rebounds. Yeah, um, you know they are a formidable group, and then Kentucky's weak there. You know, may, I guess inconsistent there. Um, they shouldn't be weak there. Nick Richards no. has had some big games. Uh, EJ has had some big games. Nate has just come off a big game. But they are all three of those guys I just mentioned for Kentucky are just dramatically up and down. Uh, and right now, Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery are on a dramatic downturn. I mean, they have just they just kind of. EJ had a couple moments at the end of the Utah game, but by and large, those two guys no-showed in Las Vegas for two games. Yeah. Uh, and Kentucky lost them both. Um, on the other side, what you mentioned, uh, and we've, we've said this already, but it, it, now that the game is upon us, I think it bears repeating. Uh, I do think Kentucky has a huge uh, advantage in the backcourt. Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Tyrese Maxey, um, you know, those guys are, are going to really defend. Uh, also, I think they're going to be able to get what they want in terms of uh, dribble penetration. You know, what do they do with it once they do? I don't know. You know, that Kentucky's got to pass it better. Uh, they've got to find open shooters. We talked about how they kind of decided to go hero ball at the end of the game against Ohio State. When, when driving kicks were open, they went drive and try to score over three guys instead. Um, run people over. Yeah, yeah. but but they're going to be able to look. They're going to be able to get by Darius Perry, fresh fresh Kimball, and Ryan McMahon, and they're going to be able to lock those guys up as well. Um, I think. I think because of the nature of this advantage, um, it, it's overall it's advantage Kentucky because your guards have the ball. <laughs> you know, your guards are touching the ball the most. Your guards are the ones that have got to get it across half court. Your guards are the ones who've got to initiate offense. If you can cut off the head of the snake, as it were, um, you can disrupt everything. You know, certainly offensively, Kentucky can neutralize whatever advantage Louisville might have in the paint uh, by just suffocating the guys on the perimeter. And I, I expect that that will happen, especially with that home energy. You know, that Kentucky's desperate. That crowds should be one of the handful of crowds every year that's really good for Kentucky. And that energy and the defensive energy, I feel like, is that that gives Kentucky the edge. But, well, you know, if, if they get killed on the glass, and especially if they get killed on the offensive glass and you, you negate forcing bad shots by, the, by letting Louisville rebound all those misses and put them back for easy shots, um, you know, that's one place where I think, uh, I think that and also the physical nature of those big guys for uh, Louisville, if they can get Kentucky's bigs in trouble early, foul trouble, uh, and, and dig into their numbers where you go, oh, we only got one big guy, you know, which kind of happened early in that Ohio State game. Uh, that could be a problem. But to me, it's just this feels like a game that Kentucky is going to win because they have to win it. It's at home. And, you know, at the point of attack, they have a pretty significant advantage. Well, Louisville's not bad at shooting the three either. They average eight a game, nor is dangerous from out there. Um McMahon, is it McMahon or McMahon? McMahon, I believe. Mac, Ryan McMahon, yeah. and I mean, a guy who, you know, 
you didn't see this out of him, you know, over his career, but he's he's turned himself into a player. Um, uh, he's, what, 40? Yeah, he's 46% from three. Nora is 41% from three. Uh, they've hit 31 and 29, but, you know, so uh, 60 between them. Uh, that they've hit. And then you don't have to worry about really anybody else. Darius Perry doesn't shoot it much. Sutton's made 10 of them. Um, but I do like that, you know, obviously that it's in Rupp Arena, that they're coming off two losses in a row. They've had this Christmas break. they got a couple days to kind of um, think about how they're going to approach this and, and Calipari to come up with a, a plan uh, against Louisville. Yeah, I like w- what you said. They're in desperation mode. I mean, it's not – I don't know the numbers, but uh, I want to say that Calipari's lost three in a row, maybe twice in his entire time at Kentucky. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the 2013 season, I think the, there's one other season that that happened. And then, I mean, they know the importance of this. Sestina talked about it after the Ohio State game that, uh, you know, that he's looking forward to it, that he, he, he knows what this means. He can tell – what it means. It was one of the first things he was told when he decided to commit to Kentucky. And uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how uh, they use Sestina in this game because he can't just go back to those pick and pops and expect that to work after Louisville's seen it and knowing uh, how good Chris Mack is uh, at defense. So I, I don't know. And then is there a guy who um, steps up in this game? Because in years past, there's been. Uh, guys that kind of have a breakout in the Louisville game, guys that all of a sudden step up that haven't really played well or haven't been someone you thought of, like uh, like the way Sestina broke out against Ohio State, like the way Harrelson did against Louisville several years ago. Uh, I don't know, is it a, is Khalil Whitney all of a sudden, or is Johnny Juzang come off the bench and hit like three or four threes? Uh, does something like that happen? Uh, but uh, I feel like, I do feel like, that this is a game where quickly Maxi Hagens are hitting, that the, the, they're hitting their shots, that they're shooting at a, a higher percentage than they have been, that Kentucky sinks more threes than they have been. I don't, I'm not confident in a Nick Richards, EJ Montgomery breakout in this game. Yeah, I'm not either. I, but one other thing we were talking about, Mac Mahan, I hope we're saying that right. Uh, I believe that's, that's the way um, I remember it, yeah. But uh, I'll tie it to this. Our, our, our buddy Hoops Insights, at Hoops Insights on Twitter, who does Kentucky and Louisville, a bunch of like really in-depth number-crunching things. He spends um, a lot of time on it, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, he's really good. Um, yeah. Deals with a lot of data and, and always has kind of interesting statistical trends and things that you know, these lineups do better this and, you know, good, really good stuff. So, but this is kind of a basic one that he happened to happened upon and he tweeted at both of us. He said, this season, UofL has remarkably only played against two players total who were ranked as top 50 recruits in the RSCI. The RSCI is just the overall, it, it takes every ranking that's out there and does an overall uh, kind of consensus ranking of players. They played only two Top 50 recruits so far this season. Kentucky has eight alone on its roster. Uh, and as he mentions, high school ranking isn't everything, but it does tend to reflect athleticism. Uh, and so that's a really interesting note. This is going to be the most athletic and talented team Louisville has played. And yeah. to that point, 
Ryan McMahon is a six foot, one hundred and eighty five pound guard, who not a lot of other people were after uh, out of high school. And while he has made a lot of threes and he's a, turned himself into a good shooter and a major contributor in two games against Kentucky, he has two points and two points and zero made three pointers. Yeah. So, you know, you start when you play against long athletic teams and really aggressive guards and a team that typically defends the way Cal Perry's teams defend makes it a little harder on a guy like that, you know, and if, if they don't have him making threes, then that even further limits uh, what they can do on the perimeter against Kentucky. So um, to me, it all adds up to a Kentucky win. I, I in John Hale of the Courier Journal, uh, polling all the media um, as he does every year, I picked have to pull it up here. Uh, 74 to 67 Kentucky. Uh, it feels like it's a win for Kentucky, but I say all that and then also acknowledge that who knows anything about this Kentucky team. Mm-hmm. We keep we keep thinking maybe we have a, a handle on it, and then we don't. So um, nothing will surprise me, but the way Kentucky has dominated the Louisville series under Calipari, the fact that they, I don't believe, have lost in Rupp Arena, right? Uh, no, they've uh, Cal. 10 and 2 under Cal, and both losses were in Louisville. So um, that and the desperation and the guard advantage and the athletic advantage, I just don't, I don't think they lose this game. Yeah, and one more thing I'll I'll add to that is um, how Sestina talked and Hagen's talked after the Ohio State game. It's like um, we understand that we came out against Utah flat, and we didn't pick it up until it looked like we were going to lose, and then we. We frantically gave everything we had to try to win that game and almost did uh, against Ohio State. They obviously came out and start to finish had the effort they needed. And Sestina said afterward, I feel like we're two or three possessions away from, from being you know where we need to be. We're, we're close. Uh, we're on and off the court. Uh, off the court, we're hanging out a little bit more together. It's translating onto the court a little bit more. We're starting to see it. Uh, the whole feeling was we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, we didn't want to lose two games out here, but uh, we learned our lesson, and they're not going to come out flat against Louisville. It's in Rupp Arena, that energy in the building, the electricity. It's going to be there. They're going to feel it. They're going to feed off of it. And uh, like I said, I feel like they're going to shoot the ball well, and they're going to win this game maybe by double digits. I, that's That's my feeling. I really think they're going to take it to them. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know if I predict them to blow anybody out <laughs> or, win, or win or win any game comfortably, but uh, but it does feel yeah. like a game they get it get the job done. All right, so that's it for our uh, our pre UK Louisville podcast. Uh, we'll be back on. We'll have one for you Monday, which will be geez, that will be uh, the day before the Belk Bowl. So we'll we'll discuss this. Uh, you know what happens in this Kentucky Louisville game. And then, you know, have a little bit of talk about uh, that Belk Bowl coming up. So, great podcast coming your way on Monday, as if this was not enough for you. (laughs) John Deere Green. (laughs) Be be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, You can ask us questions, and we'll talk about it here on this show. Uh, Comments, whatever. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R, and Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right, thanks, guys. We'll uh, have, have a great weekend.
are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. 